those to come out tonight uh, on a night where, I don't know if you know this, but in our contemporary church setting, uh, churches are actually moving away from the idea of Good Friday service. In fact, there's actually a danger and a little bit of a shift in atonement theology and missing out on the sacrifice and the gift that God gave through Jesus Christ in the sense of where it began. And this indeed is what we're talking about tonight, the gift of Jesus going to the cross for us. So when I was little, uh, maybe like a a few of you boys out there, when I was little, uh, we got into a little bit of of messiness always with my brothers, uh, 13 months older, 20 months younger. And I grew up uh, down in Georgia where my grandma had a 100-acre farm. And out on that farm, uh, there was a creek that ran across kind of the low point of the farm, and that was very close to where her house was. And so we'd walk down the hill to this low point, and we'd play in that, that creek. Now, the creek didn't run much, but as little boys, we didn't care, right? As we would go down there, we would find whatever way we could to get messy, to get wet, to throw stuff at each other, all that kind of stuff that little boys would do in a creek. But what we learned how to do, and we had the greatest fun, is when we would build bridges across the creek. There was something about getting to the other side of the creek that was very, very intriguing to us. And so we would build whatever was there, sticks or rocks or I think mud we tried to build up one time. Now it was my great aunt that lived across, so it was not like there was anything amazing over there. But we needed to build that bridge to get across to the other side. Um, now that went from like three years old to about seven years old. And there's a little shift in your body and your body weight. So we had to learn how to build better structures over those years. I would guess that like you already have a vision in your head, a memory of something you did like that in your youth. You know, when we were with my little kids, when they were real little and we lived in Arizona, it was when it rained and the water would rush down the curbside of the street and we would float the boats down and we would build dams, or if it was great enough for that short instance in Arizona when there was actually rain and water, um, trying to build something where you could actually jump and get over that running water. I want to tell you tonight, in just the brief few minutes that I want to talk to you tonight, that God, your creator, right, is always, since the beginning of his word he puts into play, he has always been building a bridge to you. It's his greatest effort is to build a bridge to connection with you. You see, in the very beginning when God created man and woman, it says he created them. It says, let us create them in our own image. Jesus there triune with the, with the Trinity saying, let us create them just like us. Do you know what that means? No bridge. No, it wasn't necessary. No gap, no chasm to need a bridge for. But if you know the story, you'll know very quickly that his creation decided they had their own plan and they rebelled. And what seems in our postmodern culture, it seems like such a small way. I mean, it's just such this minor little thing that they disobeyed, right? But they would find very quickly this amazing, marvelous, holy God how much even a little would create a chasm. And so from that moment on, what we find in God's word is a constant effort to build a bridge 
and be connected with his creation, even though a chasm had come into existence. Do you know the very first way that God did this? It's kind of funny. Um, Adam and Eve are standing there, and um, they're naked. Remember in the Bible? Remember that? Who made the clothes? God. God, even from the beginning, he's starting in a little small thing of, put some clothes on, guys. Making this connection with his creation. We find early on there was this connection with his creation when they would come and they would offer sacrifice. Even before the sacrificial system was in play, they would come and they, they would connect with God through this sacrifice, this, this offering to God. We find that all the way in early in Genesis, this connection piece. And then we would find later on that the people of God, his chosen people, would become so great in number that uh, 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 the neighboring town, or not town, but country they were living in, decided we're just going to make them slaves because we're a little nervous of the number of God's people that are rising up, and that's what happened. And who comes to the rescue? Who builds the bridge with his creation? God, in the form of these plagues, if you remember. And if you remember at the very end, the last plague is this Passover plague where God instructs Moses, here's what's going to happen. is I'm going to send the angel of death through the town and everyone who has not painted their doorpost with the blood of the sacrificial lamb is what it's called for the first time in the word. Then their firstborn is going to die. Well, why the firstborn? The most precious in that culture would have been the firstborn male. And so this is set up. The night comes. The angel of the Lord moves through the town. And his creation, his people, his, his chosen people at the time, the Hebrews, he passes over all the ones that there is blood on the doorpost from the sacrificial lamb. But we find in the Egyptian households, it wasn't the same. Death death, even all the way up to Pharaoh. So we find later on that this system actually sticks, and and that God, in the book of Exodus, when he starts to, to give them the law, that it's actually written into the law now, that there would be a sacrificial uh, a system in place, and that the people would come and they would sacrifice. And in sacrificing, what they were actually doing is they were, they were covering over their sins and their, and their, their misconnection with God over the course of the year. They were covering that over through their sacrifice so they could have this connection and this union with God again. And we find in the book of Deuteronomy, it moves on from the doorposts of their homes into the form of the tabernacle where they would go and they would offer sacrifice. And there was a priest now in place. God is constantly trying to build a bridge to his people to overcome this chasm the chasm that was created in the very beginning with disobedience. Well, as it trickles on, you know the humankind because we're all one, right? Um, in, in the humankind, what we try to do is we eventually work the system in our favor, do we not? I mean, any system you can work in your favor, we eventually figure it out as human beings how to make it work for us. And that's what happened. You see, the people would come, and they would actually set up this market right outside the tabernacle, and they'd just walk in and say, hey, I'll buy that, I'll buy that, I'll buy that. Boom, let's pop over here. Boom, sacrifice, sacrifice. I'm all good with God. I'm out. And then you'd go back, and you'd just live your life however you wanted to live it. Next year, we'll do it all over again. And we find in the book of Jeremiah 
that God actually says, I'm done with this. Jeremiah 31, 31, God says, look, I've got a new system. It's not going to be like the old. I've had it up to here with your sacrifices. I want to write this on your heart, and it'll be a sacrifice once and for all. And do you know after those words are uttered, along with some that are in the book of Ezekiel as well, it goes fairly silent in God's word, this sacrificial talk that was spoken of in Jeremiah. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And he comes, as you know, in the form of just a a human, a baby, and grows just the same as you and I grew. At 30, he starts his public ministry. It seems like he spends a lot of time at the beginning just teaching, building into people, threw in a bunch of miracles. The crowd just swelled and swelled and swelled, right? But Jesus, the whole time, as we see in the Gospels, he starts intermixing in his teaching this talk about sacrifice. And this talk about the Old Testament and the sacrificial system and and even the temple and the tearing down and the building up. And it was very confusing to his followers. Very confusing even to the 12 closest to him. Now we're on the other side. So what we would say now is, oh, as we look back is, oh, we could see how he was foreshadowing what he was going to do on the cross. The disciples, though, they're just trying to make understanding of all this. And the whole time they're understanding more and more that Jesus indeed is this Messiah. Now, if you believe that, as the disciples had come to believe, then guess what starts to pop up in your head? You start to remember verses from from the Old Testament because you would have grown up and you would have memorized some of this stuff and you would have known these type of scriptures. And they start are putting the two and two together that this guy here, this Jesus that the Old Testament actually says some way, somehow, he's a sacrificial lamb as well. How does this all work out? And then we come to this day. We come to this day. He's arrested the night before, right? He spends a whole night in trial, and this trial moves fast, fast. And then he's put up for crucifixion. And I wonder, as the disciples or some of them have scattered by now, but I wonder if they're starting to see the events that are playing out, if they're starting to understand, if any of it's starting to click, what Jesus is coming to do. Do you know what happened from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve decided, I'm going to rebel and go my own way? That we find all through the Old Testament, whether it's sacrificial system, uh, whether he talks about faith, the faith of Abraham, all the way up to those passages of Jeremiah. Do you know what we constantly find in the Old Testament? Forgiveness. That even though God is is over and over disobeyed or walked away from, uh, that God constantly forgives. And then what does he do? He builds this bridge back to his people. Don't believe me? Take a look at the Old Testament. Look at the history books of the Old Testament if you're one that likes to read history. Look at the first couple verses and find how many times it starts like this. Once again, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they became subject to such and such a king for such and such amount of years. But then they cried out to God, and he sent a deliverer. We find that God is always ready to say, I forgive you. 
I forgive you. I love you. I, I build this bridge towards you. And so Jesus is now hanging on a cross. Jesus was tried, no doubt, as a criminal. Jesus is, is a pawn in a very, uh, very serious political game that's going on, a religious game that's going on with, with the Roman Empire and with the religious leaders, all of which uh, they didn't even like each other. But now they're standing in front of each other, united, looking up to the cross, and Jesus hangs there. And what are the words of Jesus? They're the words of God. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. It's the words that God is speaking to us all the time. I forgive you. I forgive you. Do you know that there can never really be right relationship without forgiveness? Did you know that? I mean, you can at most live at peace with something, but for you to have right relationship, forgiveness has to happen. You either need to offer the forgiveness to somebody else, if that's the position you're in, or you need to receive the forgiveness. It needs to be offered this way, and you can have right relationship. Can I tell you about my dad? I told you I grew up in Georgia, right? We used to build bridges down on my grandma's 100-acre farm, right? When I was seven years old, my dad got a job transfer. He packed us up. We moved to California, the city. I mean, that 100-acre area in California, there'd probably been, I don't know, 200 homes on it. It was a totally different world for us. But that's where I grew up. That's where I say was home, Southern California. My grandma had the hardest time. In fact, I did my grandma's funeral. And I would tell you, if I spoke honestly tonight, I don't think my grandma ever came to terms or ever forgave my father for packing up the family and moving to California. Now, I was able to watch it from seven years to about 22 years old. And, and of course, as I got older, I understood it more the best they were able to accomplish and achieve in their relationship was kind of peace, accommodation of each other. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just agree not to talk about that side of it or not go there. What, for, what could forgiveness have brought? That's not like my dad was disobedient or sin. But what could it have been like? Forgiveness. Right relationship always needs Forgiveness. And God understands this. God's looking at us and he's saying, look, I, you know you're wronged. You, you know this chasm is there. You know what's been created. I forgive you. I forgive you. Uh, come across the bridge. Let's have right relationship with one another. And here's the interesting part. Usually when right relationship is not there, it's because somebody is not willing to offer forgiveness. In the case of his creation, it's often because we're not willing to receive forgiveness, to receive what he has offered. Make no mistake, a life with Christ, I believe strongly, is, is vastly better than life without Christ. Day in and day out, from now to the last breath you'll take, right here on this earth, you'll have purpose, you'll have meaning passion in your life, the love and the grace and the redemption of Christ in your life that you can own and you can give away. It's wonderful. But the Bible also promises us 
this eternal life that even comes with it because of right relationship with God. It's that important to him that he says, my criteria, it's, it's right relationship. It's the bridge. Walk across it and let's, let's be connected. And if you haven't figured by now, that bridge is Jesus on that cross. Jesus is that bridge that he offers to us. This evening, I don't know where you're at spiritually. I, I don't know if that, that story I just shared is something you've heard 200 times and you just go into click-off mode the moment somebody starts down that path. Or if tonight, like, you're seeing something with a little bit of fresh eyes and a fresh understanding. But I want to encourage you in the next few minutes. I want to pray for you. And then we've got one uh, song that our, our praise team is going to lead you through. I want to I just allow you in these next few minutes, to just go before God however you want. Now, when I say that, you, that often people just think, well, that just means sit in my chair. I want to allow you the freedom to go before God however you want. If it's just quietly bowing your head and, and singing, if it's standing and lifting your hands, if you just feel like you need to come up, we don't really have an altar, but we have an area. If you need to come up and just kneel, or kneel please, the freedom to just go before God. We won't end this like we do normally on Sunday morning, uh, where we kind of ramp it back up with a celebration song at the end. We'll save that for Easter Sunday. Hope you'll come and join us, and we'll be right here in this room this Sunday morning. But tonight, we just want to leave you going before the Lord, however you'd like. And so this is what we'll do. Uh, In a second, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite the praise team to come and to, to lead us in this song. As the praise team finishes the song, uh, our violinist is just going to keep playing for a little while. And that's a time where I'm just going to allow you to kind of slip out um, quietly on your own. You can have your conversation outside or just stay right where you're at and just spend a little time before the Lord remembering the bridge he built to you. Would you bow and, and pray with me?